As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Spin Rate, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. This is Spin Rate, the Athletics Blue Jays podcast. My name is Drew Fairservice, and we are here uh, on a, what has actually turned out to be quite a busy day in Blue Jays land. If you don't know, we do two episodes a week now of Spin Rate. This one here comes during the week, and on the weekend, Sunday night, which you will see on Monday morning, is when Caitlin McGrath of The Athletic and I talk about your Toronto Blue Jays. Caitlin is the, the co-host of Spin Rate. So if you haven't been listening, I think you should do that. And if you want to do that, you want to subscribe to Spin Rate, wherever it is you get your podcast. If it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify, subscribe to The Athletic. Sorry, subscribe to the podcast. And then you can subscribe to The Athletic as well to read everything that Caitlin writes, read everything that Ken Rosenthal wrote about injuries. You can read everything that Keith Law writes about the minor leagues, about prospects, about the draft, everything you want. You want to read Blake Murphy, my guy. Read him about the Raptors. Hockey's still happening, unbelievably, somehow. Read whoever it is that writes about hockey, James Merle, the whole, the, whole, the whole squad. If you want to subscribe to The Athletic, you need to go to theathletic.com slash spinrate, which is the name of this show. If you go there and you subscribe, if you haven't yet, you go and you re-up, let them know that we sent you. It's great. Keeps us in podcasting dollars and microphones and producers. Shout out to Cam, who's listening, producing silently away in beautiful Kansas City, Missouri. But this week on Spin Rate, I'm excited to talk to Craig Goldstein. He is the editor-in-chief of Baseball Prospectus. And we had a really, 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 really interesting chat. I had a lot of fun. Other fun stuff that's happening in Blue Jays land. June 1st, Blue Jays will be in Buffalo, New York at Salem Field. They'll be eating Mighty Taco. And they'll be playing baseball there for who knows how long. Uh, there's a lot of vaccine coming to southern coming to Ontario, coming to hotspots, and the rest of the country. There's going to be a lot of people getting vaccinated sooner rather than later. What does that mean? Maybe the Blue Jays will be back for August long weekend, August 1st, September 1st. Who knows? The Blue Jays have said they still intend to make it to Toronto this year. Hopefully they can get in there. Hopefully you, I, anybody can get out to a ball game as well. How great would that be? So fingers crossed. Again, if you have the opportunity... If you are eligible, I know there's a lot of different places around the province of Ontario um, that have opened up eligibility to all kinds of new people, especially if you live in a hotspot. Get on the internet. Get on the phone. Let a friend know. If you, if you, there's someone else that you might know in your neighborhood, in your life that needs a bit of a hand, help them book. Get your, get your health card. Get your postal code. Off you go. Maybe the end result is we're going to watch live baseball. Watch your Toronto Blue Jays. If you're watching your Toronto Blue Jays this week, they are on the West Coast. You will not see George Springer. The Blue Jays' $150 million man was placed on the injured list here today, this evening, on Wednesday, at the time that I'm recording this. Really sucks. You know, George Springer kind of looked a little rough on the weekend, came out of a game, I believe, Sunday early, didn't play Monday, didn't play Tuesday, now back on the injured list. So, 10-day injured list stint, hopefully, the quad, I assume that's what it is. This has just happened in like the last few minutes. Um, Hopefully, it has the time to mend, and he can... Get right again and rejoin the Blue Jays at full strength, not just as a DH who 
drags his carcass around the bases after hitting monstrous home runs, which not the worst thing. There are a lot of guys making a lot, a lot of money to do that in the big leagues right now. But the Blue Jays signed George Springer to be effect, effectively the best player in their team. That is a, a big task to be the best player in the Blue Jays right now, unless your name is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Because, boy, Vladimir just keeps hitting. Um, the Blue Jays, he, like almost everybody else on the team, was stymied on Tuesday night with three more hits on Monday, um, just having an amazing start. And Craig Goldstein and I talked about that. We talked about you know early season stuff. We talked about signal versus noise, sample size, you know stabilization, actuality, whatever you want to talk about it. But it was a great talk. So why don't you wait one or two seconds, and then we'll, I will talk to Craig Goldstein on this edition of SpinRate. Okay, as promised, it is my pleasure at this time to be joined by the editor of Baseball Perspectives, excuse me, editor-in-chief of Baseball Perspectives, one of the hosts of the Five and Dive podcast, Craig Goldstein. Craig, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. It's a pleasure. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited. I'm excited to do this. We've, we've actually never done this yeah, uh, in, I, this in all the many years. This is the first time. I mean, we've talked on online, but but mm-hmm. the first time seeing seeing your beautiful face, hearing your your dulcet tones, looking a little rough, a little ragged. <laughs> I am. You look like a million bucks. I'm looking a little rough and a little ragged. Uh, I, I was uh, very honored last year. You invited me to write the Blue Jays essay for the Baseball Prospectus Annual, which was a tremendous thrill. So thank one, you for that. One of my favorites, honestly. Uh, when people asked this year, kind of like you know, what, what am I supposed to do with this? How do you, how do you want to go about it? Um, I, the two that I always pointed to one was um, Clarissa Young's Oakland A's essay. It was about the architecture of the Coliseum, um, Mm -hmm. but, but about the team and about the place, it was really good. And then, and then yours being about the migration pattern of butterflies uh, and, and the, the moment the butterfly landed on, I'm blanking on his name, but on the pitcher's uh, glove. And like, it's, I mean, so so for anyone listening, I, so the prompt that we tend to tell people is don't say something about the team, use the team to say something. And like, I, I thought those two were really just great uh, versions of, of, or, you know, the, that sentiment come to fruition. So it was absolutely my pleasure. And, and I couldn't have been happier, number one, with the result. And uh, like I said, one of my one of my favorite essays in that book. That's awesome. Thank you for saying so. I appreciate that. Also, of course, want to send remind everybody before we get started to go check out the 2021 baseball prospectus That's annual. Right. Uh, I can't. I'm blanking on the name uh, of of the the person who wrote the Blue Jays essay this year, but it was a great uh, talk about uh, about Black Lives Matter and about about the social justice movement as well. It's a great essay too. So yeah, if you haven't Camilla, checked out this year's annual, sorry, Camilla Hinkson, uh, I believe one of the editors at at uh, um, the Athletic now. So and she, I just, knew that just signed course. up. <laughs> it just it like just happened in the last week i believe that makes more sense that that makes a lot more sense but yeah shout out it's a great uh great essay check out the annual if you don't already if, if you could see over craig's shoulder here there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a variety he's running he's running quite the infomercial here on zoom but let us talk about the early days here of 2021 and i know there's something that you were uh, uh i believe i used the word banging on about which is we're going to talk about kind of truth and fiction here in the early days of the season so you know what's happened has happened we cannot take away the many different times that say randall gritchick has reached base but it's important i think and and maybe this is something that we can talk about a little bit is is just where do we start to draw the lines in terms of like, is this real? Is this mirage? When it comes to these early season results, I mean, we're getting into May now. What are the things that maybe are the key indicators for you or, or just the, is it more just like a mindset of let's kind of wait and see let before this, this guy with, you know, 3000 career plate appearances in the big leagues suddenly looks like a different person. Yeah. I mean, I think that's always one of the more interesting questions and one that people have obviously grappled with uh, very quickly. They, they like to look for when certain stats stabilize and, you know, being that baseball perspective, Russell Carlson wrote one of the most cited articles uh, kind of throughout the uh, sabermetric uh, corner of the internet in terms of when certain stats stabilize. But he also wrote one, I think that got less play that was, uh, stop using stabilize like that because you're mm. using it wrong. There's an article on there. It's 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 worth reading. Um, but what what we mean by stabilize in that sense does not mean uh, this guy is officially changed in mm-hmm. regards to the way he's he's uh, performing and what this metric 
uh, indicates, what it means is that that number is now believable in terms of what happened in the past. It's it's mm. a reliable, I, I like to say reliable more than stabilized, right? But it's a reliable number that we can now use going forward. That doesn't mean you project it forward. Right. But you you can say like, yeah, that that is outside the range of variance. Right. Or or we can we can trust to, to a, a fairly, you know, decent degree that it is outside the range of variance. But I, I remember I, I've been harping on about this for years. I mean, you said banging on, which is, is a nice way to say like <laughs> griping or whining or complaining, whinging, whatever you want to call it. Right. Like it is, it is all those things. And that's what I've been doing more than anything. Um, I remember years and years ago when I, when I was just starting out writing, uh, I was writing for fake teams at SB nation uh, about Nate McLeod. And he had this, like, it was like a year and a half where he was like a good player. It was, it was in Baltimore. And then I think like half a year in Pittsburgh mm-hmm. that he was actually pretty good, but he had been Nate McLeod for like six seasons. I don't know how many thousands of at bats or played appearances or whatever. And the question was like, the question we all want to answer is like, is this sustainable? But I, and, and it's, it's, I'm trying to evolve my point because of how, how players have changed more recently, you know, this swing playing stuff. So what, what indicators do we have versus what's real or what's not? But like, I, I just think it's so valuable to remember that so much can happen in the first month of a season um, that is a deviation or more beyond what a player has shown themselves to be. And I am, uh, for better or worse, pretty slow about changing my opinion about guys. Uh, and and I tend to go back to our priors, which is, again, when it's thousands of at-bats, when it's less, you know, you, you kind of modulate up or down based on on what the player's been over their career. For me, I, I think it's it's important to think about what are the inputs that we're looking at? So mm-hmm. if it's so, I'll use Randall Grichik uh, as an example. Where if we say, "Oh, Randall Grichik is hitting 280, uh, and or and he's got like a 120, whatever, like weighted runs created plus or or, or, or metric of choice, like he's he's punching." You know, this is a guy who's been at or close to league average for almost his whole career. Now he's t- much better than that. But is there is anything fundamentally different about him? And then you say, "Oh, well, he's." You know, his, he's also reduced his strikeout rate condi- uh, significantly, or he's going hitting the ball to right field more than we ever saw him before as a dead as a dead pull guy. Um, so I, I think those are the, those things when I'm if I'm saying like, is this a new guy or is this a just like a a slightly uh, inflated version of the one we saw before? Uh, the an example I use is, is you know, if you and I were sitting here talking about this, but it was instead of being 2021, uh, it was 2010 or 11, and it was May. Mm-hmm the fifth when we're recording this and we're talking about Jose Bautista. Like, is this real? He hit whatever, like a dozen damn home runs in April or something like that. Uh, And and into 2011, obviously he was, that was the year he was got off to a crazy start, but you can see by the way that he's drawing walks and the way that he was not swinging and missing and the way that he was commanding the strike zone. You're like, this is a different guy. He's a, he's the exception to the rule. I mean, this was a guy who's 30 years old who had a breakout. You don't bank on guys doing that, but I think it's important if if you're if we're going to say this is a new version of this player, consider more than a couple. Oh, he's got two wins in 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 a month and a half, or he's got a you know one twenty weighted on weighted runs created plus. Just try to use as much of the input as many inputs as we can to adjust that opinion. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point, and it's it's to me where it's really valuable. Obviously, we're a statistics oriented site, but a lot of a lot of the stuff that if you want to catch guys early or earlier than other people, you need the contextual information that beat reporters and other people bring to the table, right? Like, it's one thing to say like, okay, uh, you know, over three weeks of data that we have, uh, someone is maybe it's Jose Bautista is pulling the ball more than he ever has in his life. He's also putting the ball in the air more uh, than he ever has in his life. The question, is he doing it on purpose? Was mm-hmm. that was that a mechanical change that he implemented, or was it noise? I mean, because that can happen. Mm-hmm. Guys can guys can get in a rut. They can do, or you know, obviously, if if they're hitting home runs, it's a positive thing. But you know, Chris Shelton hit 13 home runs in April one year. Um, guys go on streaks. The question is, was it intentional, and are they going to be able to continue that in you know executing that intention because the league will respond right like guys will start throwing and as far as i've i've 
seen thus far, the only guy who does it year in, year out that no one can figure out is Mike Trout, right? Everything he does, he's he's uh, changed how he's approached. There was, I remember the Jeff Sullivan piece on Fangraphs, that this is his weak spot and he's, you know, he's not that bad up and in and all of a sudden he's a tremendous up and in hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the league will respond the second time through. Uh, that's that's things that you have to watch for. And as as much as we want to be early on guys and the first to identify a potential change, uh, a lot of it to me is always premised on if he can keep doing this. And that's about what I mean about like the league, you know, the league responding to uh, a change a guy's made because maybe they are trying to get out front, catch the ball early, get it in the air. That's, that's the Justin Turner, the Marlon bird, the Jose Bautista change, but some guys will do that and create a hole in their swing and pitchers are going to be able to exploit it the next time around. And that doesn't mean it wasn't for real when it happened. It doesn't mean the first month wasn't reliable in what we got out of it, but it does mean it's not as simple to project forward. And so we just have to, it's as frustrating as it is, like we really just have to wait and see to some degree. I think that that's a good point as well uh, about the, almost the quality of the signal. And that sort of brings me when I'm thinking about a player like Kevin Biggio. Yeah. Right. So Kevin Biggio is a very divisive figure among Blue Jays fans because there are those who love his versatility. They are quick to accurately point out, like, look at what he's done. He he was 162 games into his career, and this he was a well above average player. You know, right. played a lot of different positions, drew a ton of walks. You know, hit a, a decent amount of home runs even in 2020. But okay. when I think about the quality of the signal, I mean, we've got a 2019 season that was really up and down. And then you've got 2020, which is, I don't know if anybody knows what to make of it. And now here we are early in 2021, where the walks are still there, but they're not, they're come, they're, they're down. And then everything else is also like looking pretty rough. I mean, when it comes to quality of signal and maybe the, the kind of consecutive trips through the league, do you think that there's a lot of value in that? Or, or maybe another way to think about it is, is while we're reluctant to, 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 um, recognize a guy as being brand new and being changed, when someone starts to maybe, play worse or play to our preconceived notions of what their true talent level is? Should we take the same kind of um, uh, uh, pump the brakes approach? Yeah, we should. And I'm someone who's been a big Kevin Biggio doubter. I've had uh, a lot of discussions with Zach Kreiser, who is now at Yahoo Sports, but was at Baseball Prospectus for a while because he always liked Biggio. And it's not that I think he's a bad player. I don't think he's this bad. Um, But I felt that the approach, as good as the walks were, uh, bordered on passive. Uh, so, it was, you know, he's very much uh, like a three true outcomes player in, in a lot of respects. Mm-hmm. But then I look and he's slugging 429 and 432 in 2019 and, and 2020. And while the home runs are there, I'm kind of sitting sitting here thinking like, uh, well, OK, how do you how do you end up as a three true outcomes player slugging 430? That's that's a tough way to make a living. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the walks were there, but I kept thinking to myself, okay, if I'm a pitcher and I was armed with this information, I'd attack. Uh, it's great. He'll take pitches. He'll put himself in a hole. And, and Matt Trubel wrote a great piece at, at BP at the beginning of the year talking about how important first pitch strikes were and, and for hitters to attack on the first pitch these days, because if they fall behind, it's, it's the, the, the league wide numbers are really bad. Um, when you're when a, when a hitter is behind in the count, and the question is, you know, some guys are exceptions to that. Certainly, the the question you always have to ask yourself is, is the guy that I like or the the guy on my team like, is he actually an exception or is he most likely going to tend towards towards what the league does? And if Biggio is taking so many pitches and falls behind in the count, um, you know he gets out of a lot of them by taking walks, but it makes the hitting profile harder to to believe in for me anyway going forward. Uh, in a, in a strong way. And I, you know, I don't right now, I don't think he's, uh, we, we have DRC plus as our metric. Uh, he's at 83 right now. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's early. We also, we provide a standard deviation on that. So, so people know that, you know, there's some modulation there. It's 20 right now. It's pretty big. So mm-hmm. he could be in some instances an above average, uh, an above average hitter right now. It's just that it's very noisy. Uh, and we try and give people that information, but you know, the last two years he was 112 and 107. That's a solid player. And that's, that's a testament to what he actually did. But my concern was always about like how it, how it works going forward. Like what, you know, what does that profile actually look like when the league adjusts? And, and to your point about, you know, signal versus noise, we're talking about 
695 plate appearances over that two year, the two season span, I should say. And it's not his fault. It's, it was a short season last year, but 695 plate appearances or so that's, you know, that that's a, that's a regular season. That's one season of data. And as much as one season of data does give us plenty of signal uh, it can also be misleading. We have, we, you know, everyone knows a number of guys who have had great years and never been quite the same. Uh, for Biggio, it looked like two seasons, but it was, it's kind of the equivalent to one. We'll be right back with more spin rate. But first, check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It'll be really telling uh, to see how, again, because I think because of that fragmented nature where, you know, we talked a little bit about, about April and it's kind of an old baseball truism, right? You never believe anything you see in April and September. Well, it's like 20, 2020 was all April and all September. <laughs> right. Right. And even though the Blue Jays were, we you know, a playoff team, um, not that suggests also when you watch the way that the, the Rays really attacked him. In, the, in that very short playoff series where same thing, attack, attack, attack. And, and, and I guess, you, you know, you, you talk about three true outcomes. They used to call those guys take and rake, right? Yeah. They were the take and rake guys. But right. if you don't have the rake, there's only so much value you can get out of the take. And, and, and um, it's, you know, uh, I, I, I am not a big believer in Kevin Biggio either. I feel like I try to qualify that and like dance around it sometimes and be like, well, you never know. And I do want to give him credit for having like a, the track record that he's, that he's had, but it gets harder, especially in the, the advent of the, in the, the publication of like stat cast metrics where it's like where you see where he ranks in terms of the ability to hit the ball hard and the ability to, to square it up and the ability to do a lot of different things. It feels just like there are a lot of things working against him, which shouldn't mean that it's going to limit him as a big leaguer but for me those are the kind of inputs that i'm using when i'm like oh boy it would be nice to upgrade on whatever it is that he does yeah i mean i think it's it's tricky because i spent i spent a number of years as as the minor league editor at bp and we talk obviously a lot about projecting guys and and not from a statistical sense purely but but their physical projection uh their profile projection that type of thing and i think a thing that's unsaid a lot of times when talking when when we're talking about Kevin Biggio right now is that like if he remains this player, um, this this particular profile, if he remains someone who slugs 430. Now, we've seen a number of guys in recent years, Max Muncie, Chris Taylor, uh, other Dodgers, uh, you know, whoever, <laughs> but like, but no, like, but go back to Justin Turner and the Marlon Bird school of like overhauling their swings, catching the ball out front, lifting, pulling. I mean, Robbie Grossman did this last year uh, and he's off to a rough start in Detroit, but like, I'm kind of, I was a big believer in what he was doing because it fit this profile of how guys have successfully changed. He suddenly put the ball in the air 50% of the time. He pulled the ball more than he ever had in his life. And it's this guy who always had a tweener profile uh, ever since he made the majors, uh, a walk first profile without the power to, to substantiate it, right? Which is why he was always a fourth outfielder, a good fourth outfielder, but never a, a, a good regular, um, mm -hmm. all of a sudden become a, a really valuable cog for Oakland. Um, okay, so so I buy all of that. If if Kevin Biggio starts doing these things, I'm going to... I'm. I think it's stupid if I don't change my prior judgment, right? Like mm -hmm, we have to mm -hmm. respond to that type of thing. So the, the thing when I say I'm not a believer in, in BGO right now, uh, the unsaid thing at the end of that is, you know, 
if he remains the same type of the same player. And, and I suppose that's like a little bit of a tautological statement, right? Like if he's different then I, he'd be different. Um, but, <laughs> but I hope it makes sense to people that like, if he remains passive, if he remains the guy who, who uh, produces the exit velocities that he does right now, right? Like what you're saying about the stat cast info. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he can't, if he can't force pitchers to punish him or, or to, I mean, if he can't punish pitchers, uh, when they come in the zone, then this is who he's going to be. And and it's going to be, you know, maybe he's league average in some years due to the walk rate, but I think it's going to be somewhere between uh, league average and 10% worse than that. Personally, that's, that's kind of where I'd peg him. Uh, but as I said about the league reacting to these guys the second time around, they can react to the league. And we've seen a number of guys do it. So I don't want people to say like, this is definitive. This is who he is forever. He can change too. But based on what we see right now, uh, that's that's not how it is. And and I know I'm rambling, but the, the reason I brought up the, the minor league editor portion of this is that there are times people say, I think he can become this guy. He's not showing that yet, but I think he can become this guy. And that's that's different, right? Uh, I'm a little doubtful that he can become the guy who who pulls the ball and and shows that type uh, uh, a different type of power than he's showed us before. And if he mm-hmm. does, I will both change my judgment and have been wrong. But you can you can also believe in him right now and say he's not that guy right now, but I think he will become that guy. And that you know that that's a different perspective, obviously, that one can have, and I think can be viable while agreeing kind of on what he is at the moment. I would say that uh, if ever there was a guy who who, who had that power uh, to reinvent, I think it would be Kevin Biggio, truthfully, okay. because he is uh, not not that I'm saying that he will, but right. he is really well known as a student of the game, uh, mm-hmm. and and I think that he has the he has the, uh, the athleticism as we see you see him playing. Uh, now suddenly I'm like defending Kevin Biggio. What have you done to me? Uh, he he's, he 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 really puts the work in. He really studies. He 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 does whatever he can. He's trying to maximize what he can get out of out of himself. And I would say that his athleticism allows him to play right field, left field, second base, third base. So if you were gonna, if you are looking for a guy who might be able to make the changes that are required to kind of sustain his a big league career into you know the latter year, his latter arbitration years, and getting towards he can make some more money, maybe he's definitely not the worst guy. To, uh, yeah. to to believe in if and especially because there are so many Blue Jays fans who do believe in him and do really want to see him succeed as a, as a key pe- a peg of the next good Blue Jays team. Well, and I and I want to be clear that you can be a, a ninety to to one hundred DRC plus WRC plus OPS plus whatever you want to use mm-hmm. so somewhere in the in the you know ten percent uh, or or to league average range. Um, you can be that guy. And if you can play multiple positions, if you are a good clubhouse presence, if you are, you know, there, there are any number of things that you can be a guy who's valuable and, and contributes to a major league team while still having that offensive profile. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and, and, you know, to be, to be clear, like I, I don't watch Kevin, Kevin Biggio every day. Uh, mm-hmm. if, if you were going to tell me like, he's got not only as a student in the game, but like based on his physicality or whatever, like he can fit that mold. Like I would defer to that and say like, Oh, okay. That's, that's an interesting, um, thing. But like, just based on what I've seen, based on the numbers I've looked at, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that's going to be harder for him. What I would also say is that what I'm looking at right now, I'm looking at his batted ball, excuse me, batted ball profile. Um, I see he it was 26% in 2019, 38% in 2020. Uh, in the short amount of uh, plate appearances he has right now, it's 42. Uh, so I, this is ground ball percentage, um, mm-hmm. 42% in, in 2021. This is a guy that, as we're talking about, seems like he needs to put the ball in the air mm-hmm. um, to, to generate the power to justify kind of the rest of his profile. He's increasingly either gone away from that or been forced away from that. So that's where we need to see the adjustment in terms of his ability to lift the ball uh, going forward. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it might also be that if he was a fringe average power guy, this change to the ball that they've instituted in 2021, that's kind of uh, been part of the depressed uh, offensive environment might, might hurt him, you know, especially compared to, to someone, you know, Giancarlo Stanton, it probably doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, he hits the ball too hard, but someone like Biggio, on the fringes, it might impact him more than some other guys. Scraping the wrong side of the ball, maybe more in 2021 than in 2020. Yeah. Uh, 
One thing I would say about in terms of his profile is like the kind of good clubhouse guy plays multiple 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 positions. Something that I think bodes well for Kevin Biggio is he's friends with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., which is like <laughs> That's a, a good which spot is like to a, be. You could you could do a lot worse. And if Vladdy decides like I want him around, he's going to be around. He's, he's going to be around. Uh, and, yeah. and we we haven't even talked about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. because again we want to talk about oh early season signal noise. Um, you can. I, I don't care how big a bucket of cold water. I don't think you're going to be able to throw anything on to uh, what we've seen from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. here so far in 2021. I have no interest in doing it. Um, no. <laughs> I, I mean, this is uh, a, a little bit of what you said uh, before, uh, which was you know confirming our prior, uh, you know, our, our our preconceived notions, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know what what we talked about when we looked at Vladdy coming into the season is we want to see him lift the ball more. I mean, it's, it's similar to what we're saying about Biggio, but like the power was there. The the exit velocity was there. He's just hitting them either line drives or into the ground. Uh, he's not doing that as much this year. And it's no surprise that when he can lift the ball with the strength that he has, um, that it's going to go really far. And this is a guy, again, like you, I, I said, John Carlos Stanton, but like, Vladimir Guerrero, the the ball, the change of the ball is not going to affect him. Like he he hits the ball entirely too hard for this. And uh, to your point earlier, which is like, should we pump the brakes a little bit? I think what we should do is is check our priors and say like, okay, it's easy for me to buy into this because I've always believed this this version of him was possible, mm-hmm. um, and now I'm seeing it in front of me, and and I want to believe. Um, but you know, just do the same thing you would do to someone you're skeptical about. You know, if you're skeptical skeptical about uh, Randall Grychuk or or uh, Kevin Biggio or whoever it might be, like apply the same you know jaundiced eye, if you will, uh, to to Guerrero. But I think when you dig deep, you're going to find that the guy's a monster and he's going to remain a monster. And this is just kind of uh, part of you know he he just took a little bit of time and again less really less than a year of adjustment. It's spread out over more time. Um, but kind of in, in terms of plate appearances, less than a year of adjustment um, to, to become the guy that that we thought he was as a prospect. Mm-hmm. And and something also, you know, that we've talked, we were talking about earlier, which is what are what's another input if we're talking about what what is Vladimir Guerrero doing this on doing this on purpose? It's like, well, he overhauled his body. He looks like a different guy. He he's allows his body to do different things. And and right. if 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 we don't know for sure, but if his the shape he was in last year was encouraging or or prohibiting him from hitting in the air. We can say, is there a chance that this is not? And then there we we're seeing more and more like, oh, okay, well, he's able to fire his hip and his hands are coming through way better. So it's like there are those those dynamic changes, those things we can say with our eyes. And it's like, and when you add to the fact that this is a guy that hit everything in the world when he was 18 playing in double A and and or and wherever else and you know hitting 400 in triple A. It's like, oh okay, all these pieces fit. There's not none of this is like, I can't believe this is I didn't know he had it in him. I don't think anybody's saying that watching Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in 2021. Right. I mean again, I think it can be one of those things where like the narrative can take hold in that in our mm-hmm. in our minds, but but it's everything you're saying. I mean so he changed his body right, which means he can get to the ins- inner half uh easier. Right. It's not that he couldn't do it before. Um, one of the main things I, uh, Jeff Paternostro, our, our lead prospect writer, uh, saw him a lot at New Hampshire when in double A. And I mean, one of the things he always raved about was his plate coverage. I mean, he could just hit, he hit the ball hard anywhere it was hit. And I think we saw his ability to cover the plate before this, this, this breakout, right? Mm-hmm. We saw that ability, but it wasn't paired with, uh, lifting the ball really i mean that's really what to me what it comes down to his i'm looking at at his stack ass data uh his launch angle went from six and a half degrees in 2019 to four and a half degrees in 2020 to ten and a half degrees this year that's mm-hmm. that's a big jump and there's room to grow there too like you can he can probably get it up into the 12 to 14 to you know i'm sure he could go higher you know you don't want to be jose ramirez over and over 20 degrees or whatever all the time but like <laughs> mm-hmm. you know ten and a half it's obviously enough um, you know, and, and you see like the barrel percentage jump, that's because he's getting the ball in the air more often. Um, mm-hmm. like that's, he was hitting the ball hard enough for barrels before just at the wrong launch angle. Uh, and now he's hitting them more often in the right launch angle. And, and I think, you know, all those changes, 
again, when, when I said like going back to the contextual stuff, uh, what do the reporters say? So obviously we can see with our eyes, he looks like a different guy, but mm -hmm. what, what are report, you know, again, is he, what's the intention? Is he doing it on purpose? Is he trying to lift the ball more? And he is trying to lift the ball more. Okay. That's something I will then put more credence in than simply the number itself. I, that, no, that makes, uh, Again, no one's looking for any reason. There's, there's no reason to, to throw cold water on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And you can dig all you want. I don't think you'll you'll find it. Uh, I want to talk about, before we let you go, about the minor leagues this yeah. year. So the minor league season is kicking off. As you mentioned, you've covered uh, the minor league beat, covered a lot of prospect stuff for many years at Baseball Perspectives. What do you – what? Do, number one, what do you make of the changes here that, that we're going to see or, or that – that are happening in, in minor league baseball. And what, what do you think like fans, you know, the kind of fans who, who would kind of tune in or, or kind of follow minor leagues, the minor leagues a little bit, what are, what's the difference going to be like for them so far in 2021? Yeah. I mean, I think it's been a tough year. Obviously we didn't have minor league baseball at all last year. Uh, we saw, you know, 40 teams get cut from the minor league. They're disaffiliated. If you want to say, um, there was a map going around on on Twitter recently. I, I saw it via JJ Cooper, Baseball America, but uh, but someone from from I believe uh, MILB.com created it. Um, and it you know th there's without the Pioneer League, which is it's its own independent league now. It's not part of minor league baseball. There's this huge swath in the middle of the country that basically the only game in town is the the uh, Salt Lake City Bees, the the Angels AAA team, mm -hmm. and I, to me that's devastating. I think there's we, we've written about it. Uh, Allison McKay wrote about it early last year. We had what I thought was a, a tremendous series. Um, I, I know I'm plugging my own stuff, but um, not it's not shameless. it's not even mine. Absolutely it's, it's shameless. Just, it's baseball <laughs> perspectives, but Roger Cormier, uh, Davey Andrews, and and a rotating group of artists did their own song, their own um, it, the. the uh, original art and then original prose about each of the minor league teams that were cut first, the ones that were on the chopping block. And then they went back and, and rounded up the ones that ended up getting cut that, that weren't reported originally. And, um, and, and then there was a great piece from Ben Clemens and Meg Rowley at Fangraphs on the areas uh, and the way that the loss of these teams would impact how far people would have to go to get baseball. So I think in a very broad sense, it's really sad because this was people's, access to baseball in a lot of mm -hmm. ways. I mean, I, I don't know, uh, what, what it's, you know, I, I don't want to speak for anyone else, but I'm, I'm in DC. I go to the nationals, uh, games a fair amount, the Orioles a little bit. I, I didn't have the nationals growing up. I went to the Orioles, uh, a fair amount, but you know, it's expensive to go to a game now and mm -hmm. it's significantly more reasonable, reasonable to go to any number of the, the minor league teams in the area. Uh, one of mine was Frederick that was disaffiliated. Uh, Bowie is another, but it, it's a lot more reasonable to go. And it's an entry point for people to, to, to learn and, and see and access baseball and learn to love it, learn, make it a part of their pastime. And it, that's just gone for a ton, you know, a ton of areas, especially in the middle of the country and the, and the kind of middle Northwestish area. And uh, it's honestly like, I, I don't want to sound too dramatic, but it is kind of devastating uh, to me because I think people need to experience the game to, to love it the way that you and I uh, have. And I think, you know, limiting access to that for, you know, it's a little bit, of, it's a lot of money in one respect for the people who run the sport and people who, who run these franchises. Uh, it's not that much money. And, mm -hmm. and that to me is, is uh, the first thing that comes to mind when, when we're talking about kind of the, the changes to the, to the game. So I, I know I just talked a lot. So no, no, you make a good point. And, and I think about the ability to forge connection to say a player, right? Well, well, you know, if with the pioneer league, pioneer league as an example, being disaffiliated and becoming an independent league, and there are, you know, w w lots of, of high quality wood bat independent leagues that are, that are all, all across uh, both Canada and the United States. But I feel like when that, when the guy that's on like that big league track kind of comes in and makes a stop and, and, and there can be that connection that yeah. if uh, from a young fan who might always remember 
that you know for example uh, for example Blue Jays catcher Danny Jansen right he was I believe a ball Great boy story. for yeah. for Adam Jones when Adam Jones was on his way up through and like if we don't know but if if that was the kind of thing that that helped to spark a great a love of baseball in Danny Jansen a having Adam Jones in town and then watching him go and become a star in the big leagues there it's really difficult to to, to replicate that in, in you know while the the, the wholesomeness and the and the kind of quality of entertainment that you might get from a from a whichever some other you know non-affiliated league but but the, to see it see it in your hometown and then see it on on tv see it on the biggest stage i think there's a lot of power in that and it's a shame that it that those 40 different uh, uh locations are going to be missing out on that yeah and and just uh, the, my personal story on that is i went to a Bowie bay Sox game for i i don't even remember what number of birthday maybe my eighth birthday ninth birthday something like that uh, and I saw a visiting player hit two home runs, including one completely out of the park. It was Vladimir Guerrero. Hmm. And, and look, I'm never, I like, I will never forget that. I was again, mm-hmm. he hit two home runs as a, as a visiting player. I mean, like that, that is imprinted on my mind and you know, it's, it's just to your point, And, and I don't, I feel like I'm talking about like they're, they're utterly gone. You're right. It's, it's not, it's only affiliated ball that's gone because there are independent leagues in and the pioneer league still exists. Uh, it's just doing so as an independent league. Uh, but I guess the shame of it to me is that MLB isn't, uh, backing it right. Base MLB baseball, uh, in, in America and, and, uh, you know, Canada should be in the business of, uh, supporting this type of thing, even at even at a loss, you know, we call it a loss leader. It's it's a it's a drop in the bucket compared to what you know what they're bringing in and the profits that they're seeing. So you know, it, to to see it happen in the name of efficiency instead of you know, I I think it would be you know, and I hope I hope I'm wrong about kind of the the desolation of of baseball in that area and that people are are still going out and and creating this connect forging this connection with the sport and creating lifelong memories and and interest. But I think it's a damn shame that they're not like that the league isn't interested in in fronting that, you know what I mean? And being mm-hmm. being part of that connection. So I hope it still happens. Uh, but I just I think the league should be should be behind it. You know what I mean? Um, as to the rest of minor league baseball, I mean, they're do- they're doing a, a, a ton of not crazy, uh, just wild stuff that, you know, <laughs> they're, they're implementing different rules across these various levels. And, and I don't have the, the exact breakdown in front of me, but I think it's going to be very hard to, uh, you know, as an analyst to, to create signal out of the, the different noise uh, at each level. And then also like I, they reorganized a bunch of leagues and they also, they took away the traditional names, which makes it really hard to, uh, to, for me at least to keep track. Cause it's like, you've got the, the Southeastern league. And then there's also an Eastern, you know, there's the Eastern league and uh, there's the, the North Southeastern league, the, the North division in the Southeastern league and South division in the Southeast. It's like, it's, it's too much for me to keep track of. I'm going to need, I'm going to need like the sheet in front of me to, to keep track of it all year. But um, the various rule changes I think are, are going to be really interesting. I don't, I think in our corner of the internet, there's been a lot of uh, negative reaction to them testing these rules out on these guys um, because mm-hmm. it's it's not uh, something these players can really agree to. And I, I think that's a fair point. Um, I do also think like these rules should be tested out in a less competitive environment than the major leagues. Uh, they're also doing some testing in the Atlantic League, obviously. Um, so I, I kind of think like, yeah, the, the minors are not the worst place for this. Do, do I wish there was a little bit more, uh, consent on the player's part? I do. Uh, but I, but I think it makes sense to, to see these things. And the fact that they're doing different rules at different levels might impact development, but my kind of reaction to it is that it's more likely to, uh, to, but, but the benefit of it is that we don't, the, what they did in the Atlantic League a couple of years ago was like they tested a bunch of rules at once and you kind of have no idea which one right. causes mm-hmm. causes the thing that you're looking for and which one doesn't. Uh, and this way we get a little bit more of a sense of that. Uh, and I, and I kind of think that that's not the mo- that's not an unreasonable approach. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. 
If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Reddick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I just hope that they don't throw the idea of two teams playing a game on a given day to see which team can win out the window completely. Yeah. And and whether or not they go too far with the living lab tech uh, uh, concept yeah. as opposed to the kind of I don't. I don't want to say the word "proving ground," but you know, when we're recording this here on uh, on Wednesday, John Means uh, threw a no hitter today. John Means is eleventh round pick. You know, we've talked about some, you know, other guys like that. Where if it just becomes that these are just sort of like completely uh, uh, stopping points for the bonus babies to just sort of bounce their way through with the the main the the bulk of their player development done at the at these centers where they're they're again they've got their rapsodo they've got their exit velocity they're they're doing super slow mo all this sort of science stuff is happening on these on these bonus babies while the rest of the guys are 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 somehow less than cannon fodder like they're just living lab rats running around trying to see if a pitch clock will improve the quality of the game so because I, I I do think that there's value in that, seeing the value in the way that 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 players can co- go out and, and drag their ass out there every single day. You know, I'm not I'm not I'm not advocating for them, you know, these cross these cross country bus rides and things like that. But but it's a grind, right? The minor leagues yeah. are a grind because the big leagues are a grind. The big leagues are a different kind of grind. But but it's I think it's it's worthwhile kind of seeing what what guys are made of and seeing seeing when someone's like I'm trying to get this guy out. Not just because it's in my best interest as a as a as a, as a prospect, but it's like because we're we're trying to win. We're, I'm trying to get this guy. out. We want to get back in the dugout and win this ball game. I think. Call me old fashioned. I'm a I'm a dinosaur, but I think there's value in that. No, no, I I I do have a lot of concerns that teams are more interested in, uh, not e- I mean like not even using the leagues themselves as a lab, but like you said, just putting these guys in a pitching lab or, or a hitting lab and tweaking them until it looks, you know, it it looks right. And then kind of saying like, okay, go out there and do it a little bit. And then we'll get you to the majors, Mm -hmm. whatever it might be. I mean, you, you mentioned uh, John means being an 11th round pick a guy who's hurt right now for the Dodgers, but had been making quite a splash with Zach McKinstry. He's a 33rd rounder. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and, and like, I don't want, you know, the 33rd round doesn't even exist anymore. Uh, you know, we had a five round draft last year, which was, I absolutely hated. It's 20 this year, uh, which was the least it could be based on the agreement that, that the league and the players association struck. Um, you know, I, I love those stories and I love that those guys get the, got those chances. And, and this ties, this all ties back to the loss of the, the 40 teams, right? Like these, those are fewer roster spots for these guys to get get a chance to to prove themselves in and and look I I hope that those guys get access to to the the labs and all the equipment that the bonus babies do too but like like you said like I I think uh you know it's funny because I think as as stats oriented people we get labels thrown at us about you know like not caring about certain aspects of things like I 100% think that there's a tremendous amount of value in competition in mm-hmm. just in going out like you said and and the the one team playing another and trying to win. Now, 
there's develop. I what I loved about the miners and what drew me to it uh, was that it was this interesting mix of development and competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there there are teams and they're not silly for doing it who place a lot of value on having winning minor league organizations that that they're really proud when their double a team wins the title the uh, astros famously famously did that you know well with some other stuff but that was sure. a big part of their culture as well right and that's and and that's the funny part to me is like so so many people say like well you know they're they're cold-blooded and they're they're uh you know the, all they care about is like the nerdy aspects of things and and the technical aspects and that look there there are there are parts of that that are 100 percent true Right. So like I get why they get that that reputation. But like you said, like it was really important them important to them to have winning organizations and for these guys to experience winning. And 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 if if you've ever taken a management course or or or, or one worth its salt, which I, I I have an MBA like like a like an idiot, but like uh the the good courses, in my opinion, will tell you that like the environment people come to work in uh, is is tremendously important, and mm-hmm. that winning environment to to experience winning and then to you know to make sure they're hungry for more and and know what the difference is between a winning environment and a losing environment. If you've only experienced the losing, and this is what I hate about what I hate what the Astros did at the major league level, what I hate about the these tanking jobs and teardowns and things like that is that it it creates this this run of time, three to five to however many more years that uh, the the people in the organization just show up knowing that they don't even have a shot that they don't, you know, to me, like, how do you get motivated to do your job when mm-hmm. that's, when, when the job is not succeeding? I mean, I, I would, I would struggle with that tremendously. And it's why I admire uh, organizations like Kansas city. I mean, do I think they're going to win the division this year? No, I, I don't think this is real, but they also never really tank. They've been bad. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, but they also, they do things that if I worked there, I would say like, well, at least we're, we're fielding, you know, they signed Carlos Santana. What, what, you know, you, there's, there are, there's a, tra- a train of thought and a lot of smart people would sit there and say, and, and they're not always wrong. Say, why would Kansas city Royals 70 to 80 win team, something in that range, uh, sign Carlos Santana for like real money. What mm-hmm. are the, like, okay. So they're going to win. Okay, what is a great season? They win 83 games. What does that get them? Well, it gets the people on the team uh, to not hate coming to work every day. And those people are going to be on the team next year, right? And that's Mm -hmm. part of your culture. That's part of your environment. And I, so I, again, I'm rambling and I apologize, but like, I couldn't agree more with the point that like, I, I also hope that because it's, to me, it's crucial to developing these guys uh, as as competitors, as people who have to go out and win baseball games eventually, I, I, I you you used the Royals as an example. The mind, the one I had in my mind was Detroit. You spoke yeah. about Robbie Grossman already, and and last year was um, what's his name, Jonathan uh, Scope. Jonathan Jonathan Scope. Uh, so I, in some ways, I credit the Tigers for for doing that. But at the, at the other time, the other side, I had a conversation with a friend who who is not in the same worlds that we're in. But he was asking about Casey Mize, and I was like, I kind of wish that he was in another organization in a way that mm-hmm. like had a better track record of developing pitchers yeah. in the last decade. Because because it's like while I credit the Tigers for building a winning environment and having such a competitive team for a long time, the other side of that is like. Is Casey Mize getting what he needs to like, like if he was on the if the Dodgers had Casey Mize in their system, what would he look like right now? As an example, yeah, and and not maybe that's not fair, but 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 credit to the like you said, credit to the Royals for 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 well, I if you've listened to this show before, this that's, those are words that have never been said uh, ever. But uh, no, look, they're not always good, right? Like they're 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 not good, but they've done a number of things and and look some of this is off the field but you know you go back to last year when the minor leagues were suspended they didn't cut any of their their uh their their minor leaguers they're, like even minor league free agents that was there there was a period there was like a friday i think it was that seemingly every single minor league free agent uh was cut 
um, these these guys that had signed as free agents or, or were going to reach free agency the next year. So teams said, look, this is this is a loss. We're not going to pay them this year. They're going to get the time. They're going to be free agents. Why would we pay them their stipend? Not even that much money, mm-hmm. $400 a, a, a month or something like that, or maybe a week. But but you know why why would we pay them that that's just that's just pouring money into a loss mm-hmm. but the royals kept everyone on board and then after the five round draft uh they signed some of the best undrafted free agents guys who people thought should have gone in the five round draft um because everyone was limited to the same they could only offer up to $20,000 after the draft to undrafted free agents that's all they any team could offer okay so if if everyone's offering you the same amount of money and you're an undrafted free agent, do you want to go to the org that just showed some humanity and kept people, you know, on, on payroll paying a stipend? It's not even that much money, but paying them a stipend the rest of the year. Or do you want to go to a team that said the second you're not immediately or, or, or the second that you're not able to contribute to, to our future uh, for sure. Cause not, they could resign some of these guys, of course, but like, you know, the second that you're of no more use to us, you're out the door. Um, it makes it an easy choice for me. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm sure it made it an easy choice for a lot of these prospects. And, you know, again, like those, those are things and, you know, those, those are ways to impact your, the environment, both in the minors and the majors and in environments, absolutely, you know, without question impact guys development. Uh, and that's true in my workplace, as it is in yours, as it is into anyone who's listening to this. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think it's, again, I think it's absolutely crucial that competition uh, remain at the heart, even if it's not everything, in, you know, in the minor leagues. And while I do think it's reasonable, again, to test these things out, um, I, I couldn't agree more that, that I hope that that doesn't get taken too far. We've taken this too far. I've taken too much of your time, number one. Number two, you have uh, awoken feelings of affinity towards the Kansas City Royals in me and probably other people listening to this, which we absolutely cannot allow. Uh, I will, we will say that, speaking of stipend, the Blue Jays were, of course, very early in increasing the stipend that they offered, to the, they offered that they paid to their That's minor right. leaguers. They were one of which, the first. Same, same sort of first, thing. They, they wanted to be, uh, they want to run a, a Good organization. They, you know, that's something that Mark Shapiro, whose track record uh, uh, may not support this, 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 these strokes of humanity in terms of like the way that his organizations have been operated. But, but I think just like we talked about at the beginning, there's lots of opportunity for people to grow, for people to learn, people to to re- really try to make sure that they're doing the right thing. If you're a Blue Jays fan, I think that there's nothing wrong with a hoping that Kevin Biggio is able to become a, a, a viable big leaguer for the next few years. And there's also nothing wrong with thinking that maybe Mark Shapiro and the Blue Jays front office, is, uh, front office are not bloodless ghouls who are just trying to uh, count every penny. That said, you know, you can never hurt, it never hurts yourself by like, by erring on the side of caution when it comes to, th- to, uh, to that, that piece. I'll take uh, a win. And if they don't, if they don't mention the years of control coming back when they tra- trade someone away, if, if they just stop doing that, I'll be happy. It, it's such an easy thing. Like such an easy thing. Just be like, we like this player. We like what he can do. Right. We think he's got a lot of potential. That's all you got to say. Just say we like his bat. We like his arm. He's got a great curveball. Throw some spin rate shit at us. We don't care. Oh, yeah, he's got a crazy <laughs> spin rate on his fastball. Uh, Craig, thank you so much. This has been amazing. Uh, before, before I let you go, uh, you can throw a plug in for anything that you want in the whole world. Uh, sure. Uh, just uh, the website that I that I run with a great group of uh, writers and people, uh, baseballprospectus.com. An annual uh, subscription is, I think, $46, $45.95. It's less than four bucks a month. And you're going to read some of the smartest people out there. Uh, it's it's really a ton of good stuff. There's, there's humor, there's analysis, uh, there's prospect coverage. We're really excited to get our, our prospect team. We have people across the country out into stadiums as safely as possible um, uh, this year and, and get prospect reports. So uh, like I said, Jeff Paternostro, our lead prospect writer, sees plenty of Blue Jays uh, prospects at the AA level because uh, he's in Hartford. So they they come through there a fair amount. Um, so yeah, I, I earnestly think it's it's a great use of, uh, like I said, less than $4 a month. And I appreciate you having me on. I've, I've had an absolute blast. Craig Goldstein of Baseball Perspectives, thank you so much for giving us the time. My pleasure. 
All right. Thanks so much to Craig for taking the time. I thought that was a great chat. I had a lot of fun talking with Craig. He's a really smart, passionate guy. And that was great. And as I said, I've been doing this for a long time. And for whatever reason, our, our, our podcast paths never crossed, but now we have, and I'm glad for it. And if you love good baseball writing, baseball perspectives has been doing it for a very long time. And, and if you want to go and check everything out that they have to offer, including a lot of the, their, their proprietary stats, the catcher's defense metrics that they are at the front of the head, ahead of the class for uh, pioneering defensive metrics and, and measuring runs above average for, for catchers, valuing framing, pop times, scoops, all that sort of stuff. Baseball Prospectus is, uh, is one of the leaders in our industry, if, if, our, if I'm in the baseball industry, which might be a little bit much. But go to BP, go to Baseball Prospectus, check them out. Craig gave you the sales pitch. I don't need to re-up on it again. Uh, but as I said also, and if you're in the, if you're in the subscribing mood, then I got to tell you, yeah, theathletic.com slash spin rate. Sign up. But until such time, we want to say thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you for, for sticking with and for checking out spin rate here in the early days of 2021, getting into May, getting into the real stuff. Now, the weather's getting better. Baseball is getting real. April is over. April is full of baloney. May is when the real... Uh, what's the word? What do they say? The rubber hits the road. That's what I'm looking for. So, if you want to check us out, Caitlin and I will be back. You'll hear us on Monday. But until then, my name is Drew Fairservice. I want to say thank you for listening to Spinner.